Hey, good morning. Um, today is a great day, and, and I don't know if you felt the Spirit with you, but, but I have. Um, even sitting here worshiping, just knowing that God is in this place and that God is at work, and I just want to encourage you that God is working. Today is family worship. Now, I know that some of you are sitting there thinking every Sunday at this point is family worship. Every Sunday our kids are here, and some of you parents are thinking it's just not fair. We're used to dropping our kids off for a little bit, but every Sunday is family worship. But man, family worship is a great time. If you're not from our church, if you're watching this and, and aren't a part of our church, then, then I probably need to explain what family worship is. Once a month, the last Sunday of the month, all of our kids join us and worship, and so that's happening every week, hopefully. Um, but, but once a month, our kids join us, and, and we really just have worship together as a family. And another thing that we do is we take communion together. And so today, um, just like normal, we are going to have family worship and we're going to have communion. At the end of uh, the message, we're going to take communion together. I'm going to have you take communion with your family. So this is what you need to do. Maybe you haven't prepared for that. Maybe you didn't know this was happening. Um, if you need to send somebody to get something out of the kitchen or you need to make the preparations you need to make, go ahead and do that. And what I want you to do is find the closest thing you have... Um, to the bread and juice that we would use in communion. And, and when I'm done with my message, we're going to respond through taking communion together. Even though we're not together in the physical form, we're going to take communion together. And, and then it's also family worship. And so um, at, after we take communion together, Pastor Emily's going to come up and she's going to give us a challenge for our families for this week. And so I want to encourage you, stay till the very end and, and check out the family challenge for this week. But today I want to talk um, about something that's very familiar to us in these days. We're going to use some familiar terms. And, and there's two terms that I think we're hearing quite a bit these days that, that I think God's Word is speaking to us about. And, and there's, those two words are viral and quarantine. So we all understand this, right? Because we all understand there is a virus going around and it is spreading like crazy and so we are quarantined, we are staying away from each other, we're social distancing to try to keep the spread of this virus from happening. So today we're going to talk about viral faith. But there's two truths that we're going to see in Scripture. I just want to give you the, the meat of it right here up front. There's two truths we're going to see. Number one... God is at work through this time. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how you're feeling right now. But I know that if you will submit yourself to God, if you will surrender yourself to God, that God will work. And this won't just be a time of quarantine and, and struggle and, and oddness, but this will be a time where God is at work in your life and you will grow. So number one, God is at work. And number two, the second truth is we are called to share that work. What God is doing in us is not just for us, it's for us to share with others as well. So we've been looking at 2 Corinthians 
lately, and those two truths are going to be really evident in our scripture today. Today we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians, if you're not familiar, is Paul's second recorded letter to the church in Corinth. So Paul, who was a missionary for God, went to Corinth. It's one of the many places he went, and he started a church, and great things happened, but then Paul, as a missionary, continued on outward to start other churches. But after he started this church and when he left, other people came in, false teachers, people that were against what God was doing there, and they tried to tear down the work that Paul had been doing, the work that God had been doing in the church in Corinth. And so Paul is writing this letter back to the church, and he's trying to get their minds focused on Christ. He's trying to get them back in the right place. And so we're going to pick it up in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is the very beginning of the letter. And it says this in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we re ourselves receive from God. For just as we re share abundantly, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. So Paul is writing this letter to the church, and he's writing this letter to the church in the midst of struggle and suffering and discomfort. Imagine pouring your time and energy into a place, into a church, doing good work, doing what God has called you to do, and God's moving among the people, and this church is established, and then you leave only to find out that other people are coming in and trying to destroy what God has been doing. And so that's the context that Paul's writing this letter into, and he's writing about the struggle, about the pain, about what's going on. But it's not just what's happening with the church. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but, but all through the letter of 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about his suffering, his struggling. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. He, he had everything bad that could happen happen to him. And so as a result of him following God, he had experienced difficulty, pain, suffering, struggle. But I love his response. See, I just want to stop here and, and make an important point. There is two ways that we can respond when we struggle or when we face difficulty. The first is that we can complain, we can get frustrated, we can throw our hands up, we can give up and say, why are you doing this to me? And, and, and it's all, we can have a negative attitude. The second is what we see from Paul. And that's that he trusts the God that called him. And he trusts that God is going to bring him through this. And so he faces difficulty with endurance and ends up growing and becoming better. Listen, 
I don't know where your mind's at. We talked about our minds, protecting our minds last week. I don't know where you're at. But there's two ways you can respond to what's going on in your life and in the world around you right now. You can complain, you can get frustrated, and you can digress, or you can trust God, you can endure it, and I believe God is at work and will help you grow. And so, so we're just starting in verse 3, God is faithful to work, and in verse 3, Paul starts this letter by saying, praise be to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our trouble. Think about this. Paul is writing a letter to address difficulty, pain, suffering, frustration. Paul is writing this letter to them. He has suffered. He's been beaten. He's been left. He's been imprisoned. And how does he start his letter? He starts it by saying, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Listen to this part who comforts us in all our troubles. That's good stuff. Listen, today I want you to know that no matter what's going on around you, God brings comfort. God is at work. He moves on, though, in verse in verse 4, he says, who comforts us in all our troubles. But, but this is where I think we struggle as followers of Christ. If you're a part of the church, this is where I think we sometimes struggle as the church. See, we get that God comforts us. We get that we're going through this struggle and God comforts us in struggle. And most of you have probably experienced God's grace, God's comfort, God's salvation, the good things that God does in the midst of struggle. But it doesn't stop there. And in verse 4, it says, who comforts us in all our troubles. And then there's two words that are so important here. It says, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that. Those two words, at first glance, are just small words, but they're so important in this text. Because we know that God is at work in us. We know that God has grace for us. We know that God is faithful, and we, we talk about this every week. God is going to bring us through this. God is at work. But, but this is the part I think we miss. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I'm afraid that sometimes, as followers of Christ, we get in the midst of difficulties, we get in the midst of troubles, or even the good things that God's doing in our life, and we think, thank you, God, I'm good. And we respond to the comfort, the grace, the peace that God gives us by becoming comfortable. And we miss the so that. But I'm convinced that, that God doesn't just work so that we can experience good things. I believe that God is at work in us so that we can experience good things, but that we also can take those good things and spread them to others. This is where this, this has hit me this week. See, see, Paul, who wrote this letter, was a terrible guy. Earlier in his life, he was actually working against God. He was actually persecuting Christians that followed God. And, and it, it was so bad. He was one of the worst people 
fighting against God's kingdom. But then God showed up to him on on his journeys and struck him blind momentarily and changed his whole life. And all of a sudden, Paul went from being the worst of the worst to being changed, graced, comforted, and repurposed by God. And it would have been really easy for Paul to say, thank you, God, I'm good. But he didn't do that because he understood that what God was doing in him was just part of the equation. God was working in him, but God wanted to work through him. And so Paul understood this, and this is what he's saying to us. I've seen this, um, this thing popping up. There's all sorts of these things going on around that talk about um, the, the COVID-19, the coronavirus, and, and what's happening. And, and we're currently practicing a thing called social distancing. That's why you guys aren't here with me, but you're at home. And what we're trying to do through social distancing is stop the spread of this virus because it, it's so contagious. So I saw this chart this week. And it made me think about our faith and what God's doing in our lives. So I want you to look at this chart with me. It starts, and you'll see the red lines. That is the people that are going through this virus, that are spreading this virus. So the first part of this, you see all the red, and it's one person that spreads to two, that spreads to four, that spreads to eight, that spreads to 16, that spreads to 32, and I could go on and on because I'm amazing at math, or I just have that memorized. (laughs) But that's how a virus spreads. This chart shows you, though, what happens when we socially distance ourselves. See, you see this person worked from home, this person didn't go to that barbecue, this person um, didn't fly, and it tells you the things that if we will socially distance ourselves, you see the difference between the spread of the virus and the change that happens, how much of a difference it makes when people distance themselves. And so if we want to stop the spread of the virus, what do we do? We quarantine ourselves. We isolate ourselves. We stop sharing our germs. We stop sharing the virus. And that's a good thing. For the record, that's a good thing. In this time of this virus going around, social distancing is a good thing. We want to stop this. I want to look at this reversed, though, because I think when it comes to our faith, it's a little bit of a different story. So there's two meanings. I got to get this out because I want to be very clear and I don't want people to get mad at me. There's two meanings to the word viral. Virus, viral. The first meaning is viral of viral is having to do with a virus. But the second meaning is what I'm talking about here today. And that's that viral means something that spreads out of control, something that goes crazy. So we talk all the time about going viral on social media. We post something and someone shares it and somebody else shares it and somebody else shares it and all of a sudden it's got a million views and it's gone viral. Here's the thing. The kingdom of God is meant to be a viral movement. 
Listen to that again. The kingdom of God is meant to be a viral movement. So if we want to stop the spread of the disease, we socially distance ourselves, but the kingdom of God and our faith is the opposite. We don't want to socially distance ourselves. We want to spread it. It's viral. God's plan to change the world around us, God's plan to build the kingdom is for us to have a faith that's viral. And so that's where the so that comes in. God works in us so that we can work in others. Listen, if you're a part of God's kingdom, if God has done something in your life, that's great. That's what we want to see happen. But that's only part of the equation. There's a so that you can share, you can invest, you can take what God's done in you and share it with others. The problem is we way too often quarantine our faith. We come and we sit in church and we get comfortable and we surround ourselves with people that are going through the same things and have had the same things happen with them and, and we never share our faith. And we isolate, quarantine, socially distance ourselves from spreading our faith. Here are some stats for you. Two-thirds of all American churches, this is from 2014, so it's about five years old, two-thirds of all American churches are experiencing no growth and decline in the amount of people there. No growth and a decline in numbers. So our faith is meant to be viral, that we're supposed to share it, but what we see in America is that two-thirds of churches are not growing, in fact, they're shrinking. That's, there's a problem, folks. The second stat I have for you is that 78% of unchurched people would listen to somebody share their faith if somebody wanted to do that. So we've got a church that's supposed to be viral. We've got a kingdom of faith that's supposed to be viral, but two-thirds of churches that are filled with people that believe in God Two-thirds of them are not growing and declining. At the same time, 78% of the people who aren't in those churches, who aren't a part of the kingdom, are willing to listen, are willing to hear what God's doing. The third stat, three out of every four Christians, 74%, this is from Barna Research, 74% seldom even have a spiritual conversation with anyone. Listen, our faith, the kingdom of God is meant to be viral, but what we see in these stats is that we've taken what God's done for us and we've quarantined it. We've socially distanced ourselves and we've stopped sharing it. Our faith is not meant to be quarantined. God works in us so that we can work for others. Don't miss the so that. God is working, but God wants us to share what he's doing with others. He goes on in verse 5 and says, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. I want to talk about this just a little bit. See, it says we share in Christ's sufferings. 
Maybe you feel like you're sharing in Christ's sufferings. Maybe you don't. The truth of the matter is, whether you follow Jesus or whether you don't, you will experience suffering the way that Jesus did. You will experience difficulty, pain. There is not a person that's walked the face of the earth that hasn't experienced pain and loss and suffering and struggle. You can't escape it. And so he says, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, I hope you're not sharing abundantly in the sufferings, but if you are, for just as we share in the, abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Through is the important word here. See, the question isn't whether you're going to suffer or struggle. The question is, what will your suffering and struggling be for? And here's a statement that I need you to know today. The only way to victory over your struggles is through the work of Jesus. Listen, if you don't know Jesus today, I want you to know that the only way that this struggling and this suffering can be made right, the only way for you to have real victory over it, to have life to the fullest, is through the work of Jesus. Without Jesus, you may be able to get through momentary times of struggle. But if you're getting through momentary times of struggle and have no purpose, no eternal purpose, then what's the point? You're just waiting for the next struggle and suffering. And so you can get over it, but there's no victory because you're just waiting for the next one. But with Jesus, we understand that we have victory over suffering and struggle. See, Jesus, through the cross and the empty grave, through the resurrection, gave us victory over sin and death. And so we live for a purpose. And in the midst of our suffering and struggle, we know that there's a purpose to this and we are growing and there is resurrection on the other side. And so Jesus, it's only through the work of Jesus that we experience comfort, peace, grace, and life to the fullest. In verse 6, he says, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. This says, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort, and it is for your salvation. I want to ask you a question. Why did Jesus suffer? The answer to that question is for the sake of us, for the sake of others. See, Jesus didn't need to go to the cross for himself. Jesus lived a perfect life. He did not sin. There was, there was no break from the Father with him, from the Holy God. And so Jesus didn't need to go to the cross for himself. He suffered. He endured difficulty for others. And so a Christian chooses to find their purpose, their calling, and their direction from Christ. And when we do that, when we become a follower of Christ and we say, I want to surrender everything to you, then what we're doing is, is we're understanding that everything we go through is for the glory of God and the building of God's kingdom. So if we share in the sufferings, we share in Christ's purpose. 
We become kingdom people. You've probably heard the term a company man, and that's somebody that's living all for the company. We, when we follow Christ, should become kingdom people. And when we live for Christ, everything we experience is for the glory of God and to bring others to Jesus. There's two words here. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and for your salvation. So we see two things that we're supposed to do when we are comforted by Christ. Number one, we share what God's done so others can be comforted. But number two, we share what's got, what God's done so that others can come to know Jesus and have salvation through Christ. Kingdom people have a viral faith that brings comfort to others, but also that brings salvation through Christ to others. So there shouldn't be two-thirds of churches that are declining. The church should be virally growing because we should be all about sharing what God's done for us with others. Verse 7 says, And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Let me ask you a question. This word hope is an important word right now. Are you living in hope? Are you a person of hope? Or are you living in a place of fear and panic and despair and struggle? Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, if you believe that God is at work in your life, if God has, has saved you and is working in you, then there's no place for the despair. We are called to be a people of hope. And suffering with Jesus leads to comfort through Jesus. And therefore, we can be a people of hope. Listen to this part. No matter the circumstances. We have hope because even in our suffering, we are comforted. See, anybody who doesn't follow Jesus, anybody who doesn't have God in their life, that, that they're comfortable, they're comforted when things go well. But we have a great God that's at work at us, so we're comforted when things go well, but we're comforted when we're suffering as well. And so we, we have the work of God happening in our lives, and we are called to be a people of hope and to be a people that share it, not just in the good times, in the difficult times. And so I want to call us to be a people of hope, and I want to call us to spread the love, the grace, the comfort, the peace of God to others. God's kingdom is supposed to be viral, we're not supposed to quarantine our faith. We're not supposed to socially distance ourselves when it comes to our faith. Sure, the virus, we want to stop it, but God's kingdom is viral, and we should be sharing what God is doing in our life with others all the time. So I want to ask you a few questions, and then we're going to respond with communion. My first question is this. Do you have a faith that's viral? Do you have a faith that's viral? Or are you living in a place of isolation and quarantine and not sharing what God's done for you and in you? Second question, what has God been doing in your life? Has he been comforting you? Has he been gracing you? Has he been strengthening you? What has God done in your life? What is God doing in your life? And my last question is this, how are you sharing it 
with others. Guys, God is at work. I believe God is doing great things in the midst of what we're going through. God is so good. And even in struggle, we are comforted. God is at work. I hope that you can say today that God is at work in your life. But don't miss the so that. God is at work in your life so that we can work in others' lives, that we can share what God's doing to others. And so in response today, as we come into response, the band's going to come up. And and what we're going to do is we're going to take communion together. We have this cup and we have this bread. And this is something that we don't just do today. We don't just do once a month at the end of the month. This is something that the church has been doing ever since Jesus met with his disciples and ate the Last Supper with them. And there's a reason that as we do this, that that we come together and we remember what God is doing. See, when we take communion, part of it is remembering what God did for us, but part of it is understanding that this is a memory. It's, It's a memory of what God has done. It's a symbol of what God is doing. But it's also a calling of what we're to share with others. And so in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus comes together with his disciples one last time before knowing that he's going to go to a cross and suffer. And in verse 26, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take this and eat. This is my body. Jesus suffered Not for himself, but for us. This is the body of Christ that's broken for you. Not just for you, for those around you. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you. I will not drink this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in the Father's kingdom. There's two things I see there. Number one, that the cup that's poured out, the blood of Christ that's poured out for the forgiveness of many. This isn't just for us. This is to be a calling for us to share with others. And Jesus says, I won't drink from this fruit of the vine again from now until the day I drink it new with you in the Father's kingdom. As we sing this last song, I want you to take communion together with whoever you're with. If you're by yourself, that's okay. You're taking communion with all of us. And I want you to remember that Jesus went to great lengths and suffered so that you could have comfort, so that you could have life, and so that you could have peace. But I want you to also know that you are called to share this. You are called to live this lifestyle. What Jesus has done for you, you are called to share with others. And so as you and whoever's with you, your family, take and eat the body of Christ and drink the blood of Christ, I want you to know that this this is viral. This is what God's doing in you so that you can share with others. So as we sing this last song,
I just want you to take communion. I want you to pray together. I want you to worship and singing together. And I want you to think about what is God doing in you and how are you sharing it with others? Father, we love you today. I thank you that you're at work in the difficult times and in the good times. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people of viral faith. I pray that when we fight battles and when we struggle, Lord, that you would give us comfort and grace and peace. I thank you that you went to great lengths so that we could have life, but Lord, don't let us miss the so that. Help us to share that life that you give us with others. So we take your meal and we offer ourselves to you and we want to serve you with everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen.